Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, SGS Nation, and welcome to this Friday edition of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. And I said it yesterday with Dave Arenberg, the Florida State Attorney, and I'll say it again with Phil and Scott. Two men of this stature with their career backgrounds, I would normally never wear a hat and look the way I do. I have respect. I was taught to have respect as a young man by my father and my mother. Normally, I should be in a suit when I speak to Phil and Scott, but uh, typically, at least, I look somewhat respectable. But I've got the hat on because uh, the COVID, and I haven't been feeling well. And I'm at the home uh, studio, so it is Friday. It is hard to believe. It was a week ago today that I was saying to Phil and Scott, I hope the COE does not drag me to a party uh, that night, which he did. And uh, I squarely blame her for uh, part of this because instead of resting, look how well-rested Phil looks right now. His hair is perfectly coiffed, <laughs> smiling. Looks like a – look how well – Phil, what are you doing? You look – you know, I got to say, I think you look better here in Houston than you do on the Big Island. Are you getting, are you getting massage appointments? Are you no, getting hot stone treatments? No, no, no. It's just a different look. Um, you know, but, uh, no, I thank you for the, the compliments, but no, there's mm -hmm. nothing particularly special going on here. Although I do cut the hair and trim mm -hmm. the beard back and all that good stuff and wear my more business oriented attire. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know, way, it's been a good week. It's been a good week. We, uh, mm -hmm. uh, did a lot of things, very productive week, and we had a trial this week. I was working with an attorney on an indecency with a child case. That's horrible. And, and we um, we got a not guilty, which is what we were striving for. This was a this was a um, a case where he didn't do it, and uh, it all worked out. So it was it was a, a good week. Good week for yeah. justice. Glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. Um, I'm hoping my week next week I can say the same thing. But this past week, I've just been um, rolling about my bed, uh, waiting for this thing to pass, and uh, can't quite say the same. Um, Laura Werner says, especially looking forward to what Phil has to say. By the way, that logo on his shirt is for Kindred Spirits Investigations. Um, if you believe that something untoured is going on in your life, you call Phil Waters and his company, Kindred Spirits Investigations, uh, can figure it all out. Um, especially looking forward to what Phil has to say. He could not get a word in edgewise on News Nation <laughs> yesterday with Ashley Banfield. Um, sorry to hear that, Phil. Um, didn't see it. Scott Duffy, before the hate mail comes flying in fast and furious, I have to hear you speak. Um, how was your week, Scott? I'm just confused by the last part of that statement. Phil not being able to get a word <laughs> in edgewise. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, what happened? Scott, have you ever been on with Ashley? I have not. Well, Joel has. You've been on uh, with her, right? Uh, I have not been on. I've been. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. You know, I know. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, 
Oh, yeah. So we were talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, dead guys. And, uh, and oh, my gosh, she, uh, she had quite a uh, felony murder. I mean, she had all sorts of things going on. And uh, I just spoke as I always do. I, I spoke the truth about through my experience about my observations in this case. And oh yeah, she was uh, she was quite. Uh, hmm. Let me let me think about this. For a minute. Quite interruptive. Is that a word? Yes. Uh, yeah, it's not. I don't think it's a word, but it's close enough. But let me do this for a minute. Um, criminal justice, um, solving cases. Uh, Bill Waters, Ashley Banfield, Ashley Banfield. <laughs> Bill- Oh wait, Phil's up here, and Ashley doesn't exist uh, in terms of. Uh, she does like look. Ashley does a good job. She likes her. No, I, I like Ashley, and in fact, uh, you know, uh, I mean, she keeps having me back, and there have been several times where I've just not, you know, I'm the other side of that coin, and uh, and I understand what she's doing. I get it. I get it. And so, uh, you know, she's she's in fact, she's contacted me personally when. When she had, I I got cut off suddenly one time and she sent me a text and said, look, you know, I'm sorry about that, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I mean, I I get it. Um, And it is always interesting on the show to how much, how long, I always try to figure how much can I say before I know she's going to, you know, come in there and, you know, that's enough of that. You know, let's get back on topic. So, uh, yeah. Well, you know, she's, uh, she's, I, I know Ashley, believe it or not, if one can believe this, I think from the mid nineties when she was an anchor at MSNBC, um, Phil and Scott, when you work at network television, uh, here's a little secret. There's no one that knows more about what is going on in the building than the hair and makeup artists. And therefore, um, I used to hang with them. That was my move. It's like you get to a new city, you go in a cab, right? They know everything, the cab drivers. But when you're in a, in a network news environment, no one knows more than the hair and makeup artist. And so I used to hang, and uh, Ashley Banfield used to be in there all, all the time. And uh, that's how I got to know her sort of peripherally. Um, and we would... Um, guess the word is gossip we would gossip not you know all of us would gossip including well ashley a little bit but us about everything going on in the network news world but no one knows what is going on better look at this joel spent his time shadowing and learning all he can from makeup and hair it makes sense now yes um i used to spend more time i can even remember exactly where you guys one of the most amazing things is how network news divisions can spend money. By the way, there's this new company, The Messenger, uh, this new media company. Well, they launched a year ago and they are out of business, I was just reading. They spent over $50 million in a year. Um, Surviving the Survivor basically does uh, the same thing that they do uh, to some extent uh, with two people, three people. And um, my point is, they spend money like it's going out of water. MSNBC, when it first launched, 
was ha- was in a warehouse in Secaucus, New Jersey. Secaucus, New Jersey. Phil and Scott, when I tell you, I'll get I'll find old photos of this and I'll put them on Surviving the Survivor. It was something like an 80,000 square foot warehouse where MSNBC used to be. It was because back in the day, it was a joint venture between Microsoft and NBC and they wanted to wow the world. And they built a studio in front of the newsroom with this thing called an intake center where all the video in the world would come in. That was like back in, and this is 1995, it was all glass and case. They must have spent three, $400 million to build this place. And it probably has not recouped its profits yet. So why I went off on that tangent, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it's Friday. Um, Pat, for I'll back up your makeup stuff. Uh, oh, please do. When I was doing when I was doing uh, my show, when I was taping my show, my makeup gal was Hmm. my therapist. Yes, that's it. That's it. They're therapists. Although, Phil, um, I know you may not be aware, but um, the term gal, um, it's okay for you because you're an old school homicide detective. If I said gal, I'd be instantly canceled. You would never hear my name again. You'd say, Joel, who? But well, you know, it, you know, I, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I care greatly what people think. <laughs> there you go. Um, look at this, Pat Ferguson, Joel. You look so good in white shirts. Just my opinion. I don't know that I've ever seen myself in a white shirt. I'm not sure that Pat Ferguson has, but I'm curious. I'll wear a white shirt one day. I'm, I'm, I'm far too like pasty right now. Scott Duffy, I'm getting way, way too nervous. Um, how come you're so you're, you're um are you just taking it all in today, Scott? Yes, um, I think I feel like the um the hair and makeup person today. Mm. I'm oh. listening. I'm listening, taking it all in. Scott, when you do your appearances uh at Fox in Philly, which I see and they're phenomenal, uh, do you opt for uh makeup at least not necessarily hair but do you do you put a little powder on when you go never been offered i get shoved to the corner no yeah, local, local news by the way is not big on offering makeup but when you go to the you go to the networks they throw it on you um mia bida would like to know how is chi chi the chinchilla chi chi is doing great thanks for asking me bida mm. and um scott duffy it was um bittersweet moment last night i took my kids to the pet store in a state of delirium we've got some big news on the show uh today and i don't even know when or how to break it but we may or may not be having a new member of the um of the family join us today um a new family member and i'm going to let um that announcement come more organically later on but the long story short we were preparing for this new family member and my daughter said to me, that looks just like Scott Duffy's furry little rat. And I said, what are you talking about? They said that thing. And I said, oh, that's a chinchilla. Um, and I proceeded to speak to the woman at, at Pet Supermarket. That's what it's called here. It's a big chain in South Florida, Pet Supermarket. And she said, Scott, she told me, and it brought a tear to my eye, that this particular chinchilla um, – was born missing a toe or two. And so uh, they're sending it back to the breeder or whoever makes chinchillas. And I felt at once saddened 
and uplifted because they're getting it the help that it needs. But I thought to myself, why wouldn't someone buy a chinchilla missing a toe or two? Would that does that impact the chinchilla's life? He seemed fine to me. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what or how many they're supposed to have. Be interesting to see. Did it look like it couldn't walk, jump? It was in its um. What do you call it? It was in its wheel and it was flying around. Yeah, and then Help. when it's yeah, Scott, when it saw my kids, it immediately went into this little log to hide. It could only see its nose. Is that what they do? Do they hide in hole like holes and stuff? Well, they, they love do? jumping they... into things. So at first, and then once they get to know you, then they grab on to the bars of their cage and try to get you to come over. They're very but, social. This is also, I say it every week, but this is the point of the show, uh, Phil Waters, where I always wonder, um, whoever's tuning in for true crime and they've made it 13 minutes in are wondering what is going on and what are these people talking about? Um, I always wonder uh, if that's what is happening, and I think it is. Um, Okay, so let's jump into the first story here. It doesn't take a HIV vaccine scientist to figure out that we're going to be talking about uh, the Kansas City Chiefs situation, the the player uh, fans, not the players. It'd be a lot worse, I think, if the players were found uh, frozen and dead because the Super Bowl is coming up. But equally bad, these are human beings as well, and they were found frozen and dead. The victims here, uh, Phil Waters, Clayton McGinney, 36, Ricky Johnson, 38, Dave Harrington, 37, um, they were, uh, you know, found two days after, uh, the last regular season game. So now there's a lot of breaking news, the least of which, or the most of which I should say is the toxicology reports came back, Phil Waters. Uh, when we talked last week, people were saying it could be eight weeks. It could be three months. It could be four, five, six months. Why do we get these uh, initial tox reports back? And what's the difference between an initial tox report, Phil Waters? And then uninitial tox report, Phil Waters. Well, no doubt the high profile part of this particular incident, this case was uh, the tox results were expedited and they have a, the ME will do this preliminary testing. They're going to do further testing to verify that what they have found here initially is in fact what is true and correct. So I'm not surprised at all that, that, that that's come about. And we only know what we know about the toxicology test because of a, what I understand is a friend of the family had, as I understand it, had talked to Ashley uh, Banfield and uh, and one of her reporters, Scott, I can't remember, I think his name's Scott, I can't remember his last name. Uh, uh, Adam Capriello, that guy. Yes, uh, Adam, there you go. And uh, Alex, 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 Alex. Is it Alex, Alan? Alex. Yeah, what, Alex, whatever Alex, his name is. Alex, yes. And shout he was out to on, him, he's doing good work. He was on the show last night, and uh, and he he's the one that broke the results, <laughs> preliminary results of this tox test. So as a result of talking to this either family member or friend of the family. And that was communicated to them because they had a meeting with the prosecution, with the prosecutors, 
and they pass this information on to them, which what I noticed was after that was done, that the, the kind of shrill accusations have suddenly grown silent. And I think this is good that the prosecutors have brought the family in, have talked to them about what they have found initially. I'm sure the totality of the case has been discussed as well, and they will continue to update them. And really, in the big picture of this whole incident, the only people on the planet that deserve these updates are the families. All the rest of us, it's none of our freaking business. Mm. So, you know, everybody, want, what's, the, what's the guy's name that, that the house, Willis, is that his name? Jordan Willis, the renter. Jordan, now Jordan, Will, yeah. Jordan Willis. Yeah. You know, they want to hang him at, you know, at noon. And um, I just, I, I'm always amazed at, at the people's response when they have no knowledge. They just say stuff. So now we have some information, and, and this is not official, by the way. So we haven't seen the tox tests, the results. We're being communicated these things. So, and I'm not, and if, if it is accurate, cocaine in the blood, fentanyl, and good grief, wouldn't you know it, got a little marijuana in there too, a little cannabis, a little THC going on. And I don't know if there was any, because we weren't told that there was, if, if there was any alcohol. Now on the tox test, it will show as ethanol. So I didn't see where anybody has said that there was any of that, but I would have to believe there's some adult beverages being consumed as well. So for something like this to happen, these are all grown men. These aren't people, you know, this, this, these are all grown men at a gathering for a football game for a team that they obviously love. And when they won the game, of course, they're even more exuberant in their fandom for the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is not going to be the first time that they have had these celebratory gatherings and these football games. This one, however, got way out of hand, obviously. Yeah. And these men ingested these substances willingly. And the, the result is that they overdosed or were intoxicated to a level on several different substances that all had contradictory uh, effects on them. Cocaine gets your system going. Fentanyl is something that lowers that gets your your system lowered. So fentanyl, you know, it, it's for pain. It can cause uh, sleep sleep uh, symptoms. I mean, there's a whole lot of things about fentanyl. And then you got the uh, the THC. You got the dope that it's going to have that uh, uh, paranoid effect. It's going to have the hallucinogenic effect. So 
and then if, and then if they were drinking on top of that alcohol uh, of some kind, uh, then you've got another substance that's going to cause you to relax. So, um, gosh, the perfect storm for something like this to happen. And when people ingest these substances, the body, this has been my experience when I worked narcotics, when I would see that, when I would see these happening, these types of events occurring and the medical examiner explaining to me what has happened to the body, the, the body will heat up internally. Mm. And I saw this m most pervasive in the use of MDMA, ecstasy, mm. methylene dioxymethamphetamine. Mm. And I used, to, I used to work security for rape parties. And that is the drug of choice, ecstasy and LSD, lysergic acid diethylamide. That is the drug. Those are the drugs of choice at those gatherings. And... Uh, there were a couple of things. They always had at rave parties. They always had pacifiers because when people use that stuff, they grind their teeth. So they had boxes of pacifiers that they'd hand out. And they'd also hand out candy. Because Phil, you, you said that you were, you were a body, uh, you worked at doors at rave parties. Did I hear that right or do I have COVID? There was, there were, at the, the time that the rave party started up, HPD and the, the one that, the one, Oh, it's breaking up a little. We're on the campus of the University of Houston. So we were mm. hired. These parties. And what I witnessed there was the people taking, of course, you know, we didn't see it. But these people ingesting ecstasy and acid, LSD sucking on pacifiers because uh, they needed the sugar rush. And in the bathrooms, stripping down butt naked. And then, and this was in the, in the middle of winter, and it was a cold night in Houston. And uh, one guy ran out of the building and uh, threw himself on the pavement, where which was concrete, and it was cold, 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 mm. trying to cool his body down. Wow. Wow. Now, there's always a little humor in everything, but this guy got his little tallywhacker stuck in an <laughs> expansion joint in the street. <laughs> so he, he was telling us, he was calling us stupid and we were ignorant and we were just nothing but a bunch of effing cops and, you know, mm. blah, blah, blah. I think he was even bragging about his college degree. I mean, just babbling silliness. Wow. And about the fourth or fifth time he called us stupid, I, I just looked at him and I said, really? <laughs> I said, you're butt naked face <laughs> down in the street with your tallywhacker stuck in an expansion joint and we're the ones that are stupid. That kind of put them, you know, that silenced them for a moment. But anyway, I digress. 
So the point I'm trying to make here. Yeah, go ahead, Phil. No, go ahead, Phil. Finish off your thought. The point I'm trying to make here is, is that this stuff causes the internal temperature of the body to increase. So I don't know if that's what happened here. And I'm waiting for the autopsy report, which will take some time, which will take some time uh, to get the final report. And I'm ready. I really want to see what their ruling is going to be for the cause of death. Uh, And just, my experience, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a medical examiner. I, I'm just curious as to if this happened to them, if they ingested this this fatal cocktail of these different substances, and the reason why they were outside was because of what was happening inside, internally. So they went outside to cool off, they sat down, and then as a result of the substances that they had ingested they were intoxicated to the level that they passed out and then froze to death so my curiosity about the the autopsy and this is just my observation and theory so what i'm curious to see is from the autopsy report if they died as a result of an overdose or if they died, if they were intoxicated and passed mm. out because of the degree of substances they had in them, and then they actually died from hypothermia. Wow. So uh, that's what I'm most curious about. And I'm, I'm, I, I would, I don't think it's a far stretch to say that the manner of death is going to be accidental. And then I'm waiting to see what the cause of death is going to be. So um, I think there was the word felony murder was bandied about. I think, Joel, you even said something to that degree in one yeah. of our text messages. One of our text um, messages, yes. Yeah. This is, this is in no way, shape, or form is even close to a felony murder. Hmm. No way. I, no way. I, I said it a little differently. I said if I was investigating this case, uh, there'd be no trial. Home renter would be guilty. Three consecutive life sentences. That's what I said. But that, that and very what, little. And what was my response to that? Uh, you're an idiot to me. Um, <laughs> basically, yeah. I think it was, uh, and that's why you're not in charge of anything. So something yes, to that. Effect. Correct. And I never should be, but I don't have the patience to do what you guys do. So I would just jump to conclusions. Um, on a serious note. Um, before I get back to an unserious note, these are the victims here. Um, these guys are dead as a result of this. So these are family members and, you know, uh, children, sons and uh, uncles, things of that nature. The family still obviously devastated. There's still a lot to uh, go through here. Scott Duffy, um, you are my hair and makeup artist today. I know I have COVID, but was Phil just talking about a guy's tallywhacker being stuck in the in the ground or am I hallucinating? Am I hallucinating or was Phil just talking about a tallywhacker? <laughs> I had to and look also, that up. Could someone please tell me, um, would we spell tallywhacker two words and is the whacker W-H-A or is whacker W-A-C-K on that? And is it two words? I am not T-Pain has got to make some sort of meme 
with Phil using the word tallywhacker. Um, it can be hyphenated. It, it can or can't? It can be. <laughs> okay. Is that a Texas um, term? So um, just to continue on with what Phil was saying, Scott Duffy, uh, so this family member who asked to remain anonymous regarding the toxicology reports did say, that, again, to echo Phil's previous statement that cocaine was found in there, fentanyl was found in there, uh, THC, otherwise known as the marijuana, the Mary Jane was in there, and Phil was telling us that it is the, the worst of the drugs last week. The family source says that level 10 fentanyl, Scott Duffy, level 10 fentanyl is enough to kill the Kansas City 3, as they're known now, or at level 30, so three times the lethal dosage um, I ask you every day, every week, every moment, are you surprised by this, but are you surprised by the concoction of drugs found in the system? That's number one. And then let's get to Annie Kay's question. Finally, how is it going to be determined, Scott Duffy, whether the drugs were ingested voluntary, voluntarily, uh, was the host tested for drugs? Is it possible that this guy, Jordan Willis, shoved fentanyl into their mouths? Scott Duffy. Boy, there's a lot packed in there. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, there's a lot. Yeah, this this is, uh, you know. Not the least of which is Tallywhacker, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. It's, let, let me look that up. I got to see it. <laughs> it's, um, so no, it doesn't surprise me. It's disturbing, none the least. You're absolutely right. There are three deceased people that don't have to be deceased. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, I think, you know, as Phil and I were looking or being, um, given what, what was publicly known last week, we're, we're not surprised and we're, we're not going down the road that I think other, um, shows and podcasters have gone down that this is a murder and this is a double homicide, triple homicide, et cetera. I, I get I get that. And there's definitely you're going to approach any any death like this, especially because of uh, all the circumstances, the fact that there's three as opposed to one. And those do add to it. But, um, you know, I'm ex extremely cautious. And because I've worked in the drug world for so long, I've seen I've seen a lot. I've seen everything Phil had described and um, to see what the human body does go through together with the mind. And um, I, I will say this, it's still a phenomenon to me that um, when I was working drug investigations and I've interviewed many drug, high-level drug dealers, many, that would not touch fentanyl. It was spoken about, it was heard about, it was in the market, but nowhere it is today. And they were saying, why would I kill my customer? I wanted strong enough to where they are going to feel the effects that obviously a drug user seeks it for, and then to keep coming back. And uh, that just that just resonated. And that was every drug dealer saying the same thing. And then, of course, um, I would say 14, 15, uh, we started to really see these epidemic to where um, stadium, right? In other words, 60, 70,000 people were dying a year. And it really wasn't ca capturing too much of attention. So this is extremely sad. But it is, um, 
unfortunately becoming somewhat of the norm. Uh, oh, people of all different walks of life. I've had doctors, nurses, lawyers walk in the streets, um, drug addicted through yeah. one drug or another. So, you know, you look, you look at the faces, you look at that picture. It's another, it's, it's a great social time in a moment of time, but then drugs get introduced. And, and then of course, um, as we see today, fentanyl becoming part of the norm. And this is why it's scary. I mean, you know, we, we may joke a little bit and we'll definitely get viewers that say, oh, come on, marijuana, grow up in this and that, get with it. It's not that dangerous. Well, Phil and I have dealt with many years where many people have died, shot, killed as a result of marijuana. So that's why we bring those experiences to our, our thought of marijuana. Of course, so, so many people experiment and have absolutely no issues. So many people seek it medically and find great benefits to it, right? There, but but in in realm today, um, parting and whatnot, the uh, fentanyl has found its way to where anybody of any type of drug can be gone just like that, and uh, and so thereby, I think we have to really think about this now. For the homicide aspect, I mean that's that's that comes through interviewing. There are people who have survived, people who are part of this party who have walked away, as well as the host of the party, and of course the host of the party has a lawyer for for obvious reasons. But um, there are other witnesses that will be able to say, and and you'll you know a, a good interview should be able to find the credibility in were they all partaking willingly and wantingly. And um, they may not have known per se that fentanyl was laced in something or another, or they might have. It will come through interviews. But um, this, this is just, this is unfortunately, they, they're, they're, they're three of a huge number of ODs in this past year. And it's just, just it's unacceptable, yeah. but it is the reality. Uh, this and the fentanyl scare is uh, beyond any measure here. Um, I am actually telling the COE something right now, live on the air, uh, right now. If anyone's wondering, I'm going to get yelled at, and people are going to say, "Oh, you're rude to be doing that," but there's there's a reason. Uh, this photo we're looking at. This is Jordan Willis. This is the man who was renting that home in the bottom middle uh he's since gone on to rehab which we're going to talk about um webfan has a question and i love these triple cues because it makes it easy for me to see but it's uh let's uh send it phil's way three-part question for guests and i hope they're open-ended for phil's sake um or for your sake how do you obtain a controlled substance fentanyl phil waters and bring it to the streets did the chemist, now this guy, Jordan Willis, is a chemist. Did the chemist get it from his lab? Will his employer start an investigation? Uh, 
Phil is either frozen or he is um, very <laughs> meticulous. Oh, I, I, I didn't know if you had any more commentary. I was waiting there. Oh, I do, um, actually. Hang on. I, can you remember this question? Because I can't, but I want to bring this up for everyone because this is also important. From Jenny Benny, Tallywhacker, a noun, vulgar <laughs> slang, the penis, <laughs> alteration probably influenced by whack, of earlier tallywag, perhaps from tally counterpart something that fits another thing oh my gosh i honestly don't know if i'm just high on covid or what is going on mcspunky says a tallywhacker is a way old school term for eggplant that's interesting for an eggplant um phil do you remember this question because i don't remember it i do okay uh well by the way one last thing beach life says don't get your tally in a wad go ahead phil um the first the first question how do you get fentanyl to the streets well just like you get any controlled substance to the streets you have a network you've got a, a foundation for people that are distributing that stuff it's coming in through the most of it's being uh uh generated out of china and um it's coming through the southern borders so you know that's that's the big picture and then once it gets distributed to the the dealers at the lower level uh then it starts getting farmed out to the uh, the people that want it and you know you made the comment about killing their clients they don't give a crap about that the problem is they work on a volume basis and they have got thousands hundreds of thousands perhaps millions of clients users that they're selling this stuff to and they figure in the um the effect of of deaths so uh, they could care less whether they're killing people that's why they keep sending this stuff into the country uh you know the united states is is they they reap a a big harvest of people that get addicted to all this crap that they're sending into the country so uh no, no uh, uh, questions there about how does it get here, and uh, and and again, they don't care about their clientele. If they cared about their clientele, they wouldn't be sending the crap in the country in the first place. So, uh, the second question was, did we think this Willis uh, guy is uh, manufacturing this stuff? I don't know. Uh, my my thought is that there's sort of that possibility but when you're talking about cocaine and fentanyl and the uh, the cannabis of the marijuana stuff that seems to me to indicate and we don't know who act we don't know who purchased all of these things i think one of these victims i read uh, a year ago or a couple of years ago had actually been arrested for possession of a controlled substance of some kind I think one of them also has some sort of a pharmacy license, a pharmacist license that was expired or was about to expire, something of that nature. So, look, folks, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. These kinds of things don't happen in a vacuum. Um, and, and I'm not trying to be heartless here, but look, this stuff is going to be is going to turn out. It was self inflicted. To think that this guy here that we're showing on the screen, this Willis guy somehow I had some big plot that he was going to lace all of his friends stuff with all of this and that and this. And that. Look, I don't think there's any question that these guys knew what they were doing. 
They just didn't know to the degree, to the extent that they were doing it. Because once you start that stuff, and the more you've got a stimulus, like a football game where your team is winning, and I'm just telling you, it's a perfect storm for something like this to happen. Hmm. And and the comment was made here about how they die at the same time. We don't know that they died at the same time. Mm-hmm. We know they died in the same time frame, but we don't know the order in which these these men passed away. So, look, I, I'm just telling you to to start throwing stuff out there. It number one, it doesn't do any good for the investigation. And that department is investigating this case. Now, regarding his employers investigating anything, I would imagine that they're going to do their due diligence because now where he works, when that is discovered, that's put up on the on the horizon now. Everybody's going to be looking at that. So I would imagine that his employers are going to conduct some kind of an internal investigation as to what he's been doing, what, what, what he might have been doing, and I'm sure that's going to happen. And, you know, worst case scenario is he may lose his job when it's over with. Yeah. Uh, if well, he's done anything within the confines of the company that is criminal in nature, then that'll be addressed. So there's a whole lot of moving parts here in this thing. And and the the uh, the bottom line is, as, as Scott said, the, the bottom line it's it's just a it's just an incredible tragedy for these families. Yeah. But uh, you know, this young man now, of course, he got a wake up call. What's he done? He's checked himself into a rehab. Yep. So I, I'm just saying, you know, people need to take a breath here, and and let's wait for the the facts the evidence that lead to the truth to come out. And there will be a point in time where you're either going to have the medical examiner or you're going to have this captain that's going to get up and he's going to explain what happened. And they're going to put together the timeline and and they will explain that at the right time. So... Uh, really, the, the 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 tragedy here, obviously the three dead, but the much bigger tragedy, Stace on the case even says it, kids are dying left and right. Um, I've, you know, they, I, I was asked to come back to work a little bit um, at CBS in Miami about uh, two years ago when that built, that horrible building collapse happened here in South Florida. And uh, just in a short period of time that I was back, I did multiple fentanyl OD stories, including the three or four West Point cadets. So this is a massive tragedy. Um, somehow at STS, we find a way to find dark humor. And today it happens to be with uh, Phil's Tallywhacker. Um, Nancy Lynn says, I'm peeing my pants laughing right now. Tallywhacker, I guess it's no H in there, is the best part of the movie Porky's. Porky's has to be one of the great time uh, movies. Beulah Ballbricker was the uh, woman in that movie. Um, haven't seen it since. Scott Duffy, did you see Porky's back in the day? Mm. Yeah, you know what? I Such I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure I I've seen. I don't it. think I don't think Scott was old enough to go to Porky's. <laughs> um, it was. Um, I mean, one you, you of can, the- I'm sure you can see it on the interwebs, Netflix somewhere. 
I'm sure I'm sure you can. Net Smith, uh, she's spelling it with a WH. I'd like to know the official spelling just for my own uh, peace of mind. Tallywhackers in the Oxford Dictionary. It is not regional to Texas. Scott Duffy, um, my serious question to you, by the way, Phil did mention it. Jordan Willis, 38 years old, uh, the renter who is now um, out of that rental home, came out just a day or so ago and said he's now facing his addiction head on. Sometimes these are wake up calls. And he um, has checked himself into rehab, um, which is kind of crazy. So he's, you know, obviously dealing with a a problem there. And then... um, I want to play some video we have here, Scott Duffy. But my question to you after this video, Scott, is um, this story aside, and it's a tragic story, how big an issue is this fentanyl issue? It's, it appears to be one of the biggest of our time when it comes to uh, the drug, you know, the so-called war on drugs here. This is from um, News Nation, by the way. This is the reporter that Phil was talking about earlier, Alex Capriello. Um, someone there gave him video. This is the the home renter, Jordan Willis. Right when police pulled up that day, a neighbor across the street didn't know what was going on, so they do what everyone does and started filming. And the homeowner was detained for a period of time in handcuffs. So let's watch. Let's watch this for a minute. Yeah, I was just going uh, turn off all my lights. I was getting ready for bed, locking the doors. I went to lock my front door, and I saw a woman come out of the backyard on her phone, and she looked. She looked distressed because she kept looking back towards the house, and I thought it was weird. But I just moved in, so I really didn't know much. And so I just went back to my room. Ten minutes later, I saw an ambulance drive by, and I said, well, that's just weird. Something's going on. Went to the front front room, looked out, and I saw that there was already three cop cars, and there was a man detained, and the woman was talking to the other police. And basically, I just I kind of watched that conspire for an hour or two. The man eventually left. Uh, the police searched the house, went through the backyards and everything, and I, I had no idea what had happened. And the next morning, I saw the news that they had found three dead bodies, and I just was kind of in disbelief. I was like, wow, I watched that happen. So basically, I was just going uh turn off all my lights. I'm just pausing right there. That little, it's very dark, but underneath that front door light, that is where Jordan Willis, uh, he wasn't arrested, but he was handcuffed and detained. Scott Duffy, back to my other question. Uh, you're a, a drug uh, czar of, of sorts, having dealt in the uh, industry for years at the FBI. What's, how do you compare this fentanyl crisis to other things that you've seen? Is this as bad as it? I mean, to me, it scares the crap out of me, and I'll tell you why. I live in Miami. Thankfully, my kids are too young still, but all all takes is going out one night with your friends in uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania or the great state of Florida, and your friend says, hey, take this pill or uh, do a line of cocaine. Uh, in the 80s, you could do that, and uh, you got away with it. Now, you do that, you make one small stupid mistake, it could cost you your life. So how serious... Um, or how problematic has this fentanyl crisis become in our uh, in our country today? Is this the worst you've seen it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's absolutely the worst I've seen it. And and when when it started to come out, um, fentanyl, and then of course all the synthetic other synthetic forms of it, and the fact that it really is coming from very. Uh, um, 
you know, China and so forth, very specific places as opposed to, uh, so for example, Coke and weed were my um, uh, drugs of choice in in the world of investigation. So what did, what did I educate and learn? Who were my uh, supply cities? You know, Delaware is not a supply city, it's a receipt city. And uh, spent, you know, a couple of times in Houston, Houston being a supply city. Um, and then, of course, you know, Arizona and so forth. So you have where, but they're not manufacturing. It's coming, of course, from uh, from from your cartels just over over the border. And and um, I totally agree with Phil. They don't care. They 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 know that the 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 hunger for this in the United States is great. The local dealers I dealt with were not looking to off their their um, uh, their customers, but something has changed seven, eight years and it is getting worse. And the fact that I don't see, I really don't see the alarms that uh, we should be seeing both politically and, and, and elsewhere in order to really put an end to this. Um, think about it. 70 thousand on average those are deaths think about how many more triple quadruple i don't know if there's a number out there of actual ods but then come back uh from from getting uh narcolone and whatnot and and the repeatedness nature of it's hard for me to understand as a non-addict but having it hit very close to home. Uh, I I understand it and I sympathize with it. But from a supply and dealer and so forth, and the fact that it's growing, and and it people are dying, and of course many in public safety, law enforcement, ambulance, if if. Um, you know, somehow come in contact a little bit on somebody's clothing or whatnot. They they've been been overcome, uh, and so I have to step back and and wonder what what is the bigger picture here, because if that many people are dying, and there's not a there's not like a change to to, to to want to stop it, like law enforcement can only react. So um, our job, our job, you know, you try to deter, but but um, our job is to react, and and so thereby, uh, I, I I don't know what's happening. I I I would liken it almost to acts of terror. If somebody who's providing this knows it's going to kill and is pushing it on to another country. How can that not be treated like an act of terror as opposed to, well, drug is a choice. And if you take it, you take it and you gamble your life and so forth. But but with fentanyl, there really isn't that choice. It's it's instant. And and if somebody's not around you to to provide that life saving antidote, you're done. And and it's happening in the tens of thousands per year, as opposed to a a spike. There are spikes throughout with with epidemics of drugs and so forth, but this seems like it's now 
going to to so many years with and I, and I do not see any effort across the board government on down um to really raise the alarm i it it is it's somewhat of a phenomenon to me and it's 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 scary because um you know not only having kids but um but seeing that it's it's really a, all around us and uh, the only thing i can uh make an analogy to growing up in the 80s is uh crack cocaine phil waters um i remember in harlem spent a lot of time in new york city because i live nearby but there's there still is a famous uh, mural that says crack is whack um is this worse than crack cocaine of the 80s phil waters because this kills you right i mean that's that's like asking you would you rather be shot or I mean, if the result's going to be the same uh, time uh, uh, when I was working narcotics, that's when crack first started coming into the into the horizon. And that's a pure that's the purest form of uh, of cocaine. So all the additives and and derivatives are all boiled out of it. It forms a little cracker, for lack of a better term, a little disc, a little cookie. And then it's cut up into these rocks. And in those days when we would get the the street dealer on the corner and he'd see the popo coming, what was his first instinct? Swallow what he had. And it killed him. Um, you can't ingest a pure form of a of a highly toxic substance like that and not understand the result is most probably going to be death. So, mm-hmm. uh, to me, comparing crack cocaine with fentanyl is a distinction without a difference. I'll put it that way. Phil, I got to ask, would you rather be shot or stabbed, Phil Waters? Neither one. <laughs> Neither one. Um Nerea Sanchez. Uh, so the friend Scott Duffy, survivor provider Jordan Willis is his name, can't be charged with involuntary manslaughter. Um, is that is that uh, Phil Waters getting his panties in a wad? Yeah, uh, I, Scott I, Duffy. I, yeah, the, the, you know, Ken. Let's. I would say Ken is a key word, and Ken is the investigation. Um, so there are a few times before I left that the U.S. Attorney's Office. Um, and this was in, in the region, the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, District of Delaware, et cetera, um, where they were starting to charge dealers um, with, um, with homicides. You know, something where you can, if, if you can show the dealer knew what they were selling and that uh, the evidence was out there, that they had the mindset, the criminal intent, and so forth. Then they were, they were being charged. They were rare. They are hard cases to prove. So, yeah, let, it, it, it's definitely a thought. It's an investigation. What did the host know, the provider, if, in fact, the host, like Phil said, who brought it in? It could have been five, six, seven, eight people bringing in different things. You have five, you know. Um, but let's just say for argument's sake, it is traced back to one person, one dealer, one, 
whoever brought that in. Um, that you you it's a, still a tough case, but it it uh, if the individual knows that hey, fentanyl kills. I'm bringing it in. I'm not telling anybody what I'm doing with it, and let's just see what happens. You you still it's a very difficult high bar to, but there I would say it can be introduced. It can be brought to the prosecutor's office. Um, but they are far and few in between. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, I just, it's, 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 it would be tough, but, but it's not, I wouldn't say automatically you can't go down that road, but man, it's, it's tough. Tell you what, Scott and, and Phil Waters are both getting words in edgewise, something you won't see on traditional media. I won't mention other shows. Uh, Jonathan Price, who is Ricky Johnson's brother, um, she said that um, one of the other victims was found in a law chair, lawn chair uh, as opposed to lying flat down. He says, as a brother, I'm looking at everything and then went on to say that he's not happy with the police, uh, Phil Waters. It's the same every day with the lack of answers and the inability to truly mourn without any cause. Uh, this guy, Jonathan Price, said, I want to be involved more. My mother and Ricky's father want to be involved more, and we're just not getting answers from the investigation. Speaking of the investigation, this is a little macabre, a little dark, but um, the stepmother of one of the three Kansas City Chiefs fans said she had to identify her, the son's body, the stepson's body over the phone because, Phil Waters, the, the remains still needed to thaw out. She said uh, they told us that the bodies had to thaw out. They were frozen, and it could have possibly taken days for them to unfreeze. So uh, uh, when asked to go in person, she was told that that's something you only see in the movies. They don't need people uh, to identify the bodies. Um, but she did ID them over the phone through piercings and tattoos. What's all that about, Phil? I thought you do have to go in person to identify a body or no. And it's kind of crazy well, that it was froze too frozen to identify Phil Waters. Look, I, I, I don't know what their procedure is. This is a, an unusual occurrence. Uh, <laughs> I think this is the lady that was on Banfield. Uh, interviewed yeah. there. I think she's been one of the first ones to come out and say stuff. I heart goes out to her, but look, um, I, I think whatever was going on there, I wasn't there. I don't know, but the law enforcement people that were there trying to find out what was going on, doing their initial field investigation, so forth and so on, and got to the point where they felt like there needed to be some identification made to a positive ID as to uh, who these people were. And that's what they did. Now that's horrible, but it, I'm just assuming that it accomplished an investigative question and, and it was done. So I mean, I understand her perspective. I really do. But I, I'm just saying that, listen, working homicide is a tough job. And when homicide cops show up at a front door or make a phone call, 
they're not there to tell you something good. They're not there to spread some good news. So you're already starting at a, at a, at a horrible on the spectrum. You're already there at the lowest part of it in terms of the news you're about to deliver and it's bad news. So that may have happened just the way she said it happened. And, and I'm, I'm not going to, there must've been a reason why they did it that way. I can't think of any, any, I may have shown a picture to someone to get a, a positive ID because we had no other means by which to do that. And, and I've had people show up to do a, an ID and it wasn't, it was not their loved one. So I'm just telling you each investigation is unique and there may have been a reason why they did it that way. So I'm not, I'm not going to criticize the police and I'm not going to criticize her response to that. So, I mean, it's just, it's just not good. The whole thing is not good. It's not. Kate Wolf says people die in multiples from fentanyl every day in this country. By the way, that is what killed Michael Jackson. His doctor, no, that was propofol, I think, actually. That was propofol, yeah. Was propofol. He was getting self, pumped up. Uh, self uh, and, and medicating. Yeah, his doctor, I think, with, with went the to doctor, prison yeah. for that. Yeah, um, but people are dying. Uh, what is the answer? I have no idea. Uh, Ned Smith says that's hard. Yes, it is. Um, it really is, um, you know, it really is beyond a tragedy because, again, th these aren't – people dying of this aren't necessarily drug, drug addicts. And that's not to say that drug addicts deserve to die, but these are people who literally could be, you know – the all-star quarterback of the high school team, you know, the proverbial character there who goes out one night with his high school sweetheart, girlfriend, and they try something because someone says to try it, and that's it. Um, they're dead. This is killing people who are not drug addicts, who are just maybe trying something one time, making a critical mistake, and uh, tragic. Um Space Coast, apparently I sent you, I sent you an email from uh, I'm Not T-Pain. I'd love to get that bad boy up there, Space. Thank you. Um, let's switch gears here. It's getting too depressing for me. Uh, propofol, someone is saying, has to be uh, inject, ingested or injected. Fleur de Lis says this is such a, it is a depressing subject and people don't like to talk about depressing things. And that's part of the problem. So here at STS, we love to talk about depressing things. Uh, no, in all seriousness, you need to, you have a child, a, a teenager, let's say, have a conversation with your teenager, scare the crap out. Scott Duffy, do you scare the crap out of your teenagers? Do you say to them, look, I am a former uh, FBI, I'm a retired FBI agent. I worked the drug uh, trade for my career. I know what this can do, young kids. Don't do anything stupid. Do you say that to your kids, Scott? I wish, wish it was that easy. How do you scare them? What do you say to them? I think as I've, um, I've, I've talked about my work when I would come home and and uh, not not too gory detail, but enough that I think it just be kind of rubbed off, and and I hope that enough was said. Yeah, I'm I'm all for 
the hard discussions because um, you know once they go off into to reality to to live on their own, whether it be college or other things, it's uh, they're on their own and they're making hopefully decisions that you've kind of given enough for them to to make the right choice choices. But 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 I agree with you, Joel. You said it before that um, there are many who who suffer. Uh, a tragic loss and 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 are not addicted i have not gone down a long road of you know addiction but but um try something and and then it's a one and done that's it and it's, it's a very tragic reality by the way i'm no fan of smoking and smoking kills and i know a couple of friends of mine who died of cancer related to smoking so i've told my young children this is the uh this is the other side of uh, speaking to your kids, Scott Duffy. I've told my kids 10, 8, almost 10, 8 currently and almost 5. I've said to them, don't smoke. It is not good for you. It's like if you were inhaling the tailpipe fumes from the car. Um, that's That's the analogy I make. But the problem is, Scott Duffy, we'll go out like last night to the pet supermarket and I'll see people, they'll see people smoking outside the store. And my kid goes, that guy's smoking. He's dumb. He's dumb. <laughs> and I have to say, J-Mac, settle down. Don't yell. You don't, number one, you don't point. Number two, you don't yell. And number three, you don't throw your father under the bus. But my point is, it's tough to win either way. You know, you point out. Um, a, I think uh, you ought to be proud of the fact that he did that. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. The lesson was learned. Let's hope he retains was, it. Yes. You're, thank you, Phil. You know what? I feel better now that now that Uncle Phil told me that I feel better. Look at this from Ned Smith. I hope you feel better soon. Thanks for plowing three when you don't feel 100%. You are no tallywhack. <laughs> Has anyone confirmed is a tallywhack? I need to know. W-H-A or W-A-C-K. By the way, big monumental day for um, STS this Sunday, 5 p.m. Uh, you probably heard of this guy. He's only one of America's best-known authors, and uh, he wrote, you'll see the two books up there, uh, Tuesdays with Maury is his massive bestseller, still the number one memoir of all time. And his new book, believe it or not, is a Holocaust story about someone who had to tell a lie to survive. That's why it's called The Little Liar. What's interesting about that is uh, Carm, the one, the woman you see on the left, she too had a lie um, to a degree. You know, she was um, hidden in a Catholic school for boys uh, to survive the war, and uh, most people did not know that she was uh, a little a little girl hiding out as a little boy. So, uh, just the weird uh, serendipitous nature of the fact that I met Mitch Album at the time I was writing this book. And his new book intersects with my mom's story in a weird way. That is this Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. This Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Please don't miss it. It'll be really interesting. What I'm hoping to do is say hello and then just kick back and listen to Carm and Mitch talk. Uh, and by the way, Mitch is also a very prominent sports writer from Detroit. So uh, condolences to him on his Detroit Lions. But I will... Uh, I will say that to him, uh, you know, publicly. And by the way, I don't know if you guys know, I've written a book and there is the QR code. Uh, Pre-orders are out and uh, working on the audio stuff. Look at this right here. 
right on cue. Uh, when is your audio book coming out? We're working on all that right now. It's going to be mid-March. Uh, and Mitch is from Detroit. He is Detroit, uh, Detroit native, basically. He's actually, believe it or not, I found out he's from New Jersey because all great people are originally from New Jersey, but uh, spent the majority of his life in Detroit. Um, as we always do, we recap the rest of the week's true crime stories. Um, sorry, Rachel. She was just getting over the grief from the lines. But look, you've got the University of Michigan, uh, Michigan versus everybody, uh, your college team, won the national championship. So don't get greedy on me, Rachel. Um, okay, uh, we are switching over to Koberger briefly. Of course, it is Kaylee Gonzalez, Maddie Mogan, her best friend, Zana Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin, who all uh, died in that horrific attack. Uh, well, Phil Waters, no real surprise. Brian Koberger's defense team filed for a change of venue. And Ann Taylor, his attorney, wrote the following. I will read it to you. A fair and impartial jury cannot be found in Latok County, Idaho, owing to the extensive inflammatory pretrial publicity uh, allegations made about Mr. Koberger to the public by media that will be inadmissible at his trial, the small size of the community, the salacious nature of the alleged crimes and the severity of the charges Mr. Koberger faces. Uh, she put that uh, into a motion uh, for the court, into a filing, and went on to say that Moscow... Uh, it is the seat of Latah County and home to actually about half of its roughly 40,000 population. So half of the population of the county lives in Moscow. Uh, will they get some sort of change of venue or at least jurors from a different county? Do you think? You're asking me? I'm asking you if you think that they will. this will go anywhere. Will they at least get jurors? Because they're talking change of venue, but one of the things is maybe they just bring in jurors from a different county. You think that that could happen? Well, I, I think if 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 I were the judge, I would give him. I would grant him the change of venue. Um, and I and I think, and my opinion is just me, is that I think they should have a change of venue. So I, I would be surprised if the judge does not allow it, does not grant it. Yeah. Um, Scott Duffy and Taylor, Brian Koberg's defense attorney, went on to, to, to write, enlarging the jury pool will not do anything to overcome that per pervasive prejudicial publicity because Latok County does not have a large enough population center to avoid the bias in the community. Further, the size of the community and the interconnectedness of its citizenry is problematic and will prevent a fair and impartial pool of potential jurors. If you were judge judge on this case, would you do what Phil just said? Would you at least bring in jurors at the very least from a different county um, to sit through this trial? Would you give them some sort of concession? Yes, I, I agree. It's a very difficult when you have such, and not only, not only all the publicity nationwide, but, but especially for, for a small and local community, but also the time that's, that's passing between the murders and, and, a, and, and a subsequent trial date you continue to increase that danger of 
of where do you get a good jury pool. So, um, yeah, I think, I think the judge has to, has to, uh, make a decision, you know, that that's going to not, not necessarily benefit the defense, but definitely avoid any, any issues in a potential appeal down the road. So it'd be a good move to get ahead of it. Uh, Ned Smith points out, you know, Abby actually emailed me to ha 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 to say hello a couple of like a week ago, but I have not seen her. Um, yeah. Phil, and that is Phil's stepdaughter. She's a Kansas City fan, but I want the nine. No, she's not my stepdaughter. She's my adopted daughter. Not, correct. You're right. hundred She sent me pictures of her new puppy dog who they named Millard Fillmore and they call him Mills. Hmm, that's awesome. Mills. We should call you Mills, Phils. Uh, look at this. Uh, I think we have this ready to go. Haven't looked at it yet. Uh, hey, what do you think you're doing? Get your tally whacker. <laughs> is that uh, your brother-in-law? Who is that? Uh, no, no, no. That is you looking very lean. No, no. Who is this on the ground looking at the that book? Just a random guy that uh, the meme queen, <laughs> I am not T-Pain, found. But, Phil, what was your guy's tally whacker stuck into uh, earlier? An expansion joint. What is, what is an expansion and it was and it was and it was freezing outside, so it was not only stuck in the extent expansion joint, but it was stuck to the expansion joint. What so is an expansion was, joint? What is an expansion yeah. joint? I don't know what that is. When you pour concrete, you have joints in between the panels of concrete that allow for the concrete to expand without cracking. So. Uh, therefore, you have an expansion joint, and usually there's put a you know a, uh, when I was pouring concrete uh, when I was in construction, uh, you would put a there'd be a, a strip of wood in the joint itself to allow for further expansion. Hmm. Um, I'm not T Pain. I really would hate to push my luck in any way, shape, or form. But if there's any way to maybe create recreate another one of these where the person um, who is I always forget, is that prone or prostate on the ground? Like when you're laying f stomach down, Phil, what is that? Is that prostate? No, that's prone. You're prone that's out. Prone. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not T-Pain. Is there a way to um, get him, this whoever this person is, naked on a pavement? And <laughs> Phil doesn't have to be naked, but um, I guess the, 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 it was a very chilly day, and this looks like a beautiful spring day, but... I can't get over it. Um, how lean Scott Duffy? Look at Phil. Uh, look at Phil. Look how lean and and athletic he yeah. looks there. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but but meme queen, <laughs> you did a phenomenal job as always. Um, phenomenal job. And uh, I don't know what can I tell you. Not only do we have the best true crime stories, the best guests, the better community. Uh, look at this. Yes, this is true. Uh, Ned Smith points. <laughs> he's, reading, he's reading Surviving. Surviving. Survive. I tell you, I have a book coming out. It's right here. You can order it right there. And uh, we have a new uh, channel, by the way. Um, Best Trials in True Crime. We've been covering the Michelle Tritonis trial. Let's move it along here. Um, From one crazy killer uh, to a, looks like another one, this Rex Hewerman, um, Scott Duffy. This lawyer, this is interesting, John Ray, who I've uh, 
been in contact with periodically. He's basically the lawyer for the victims, and I will get him on the show. He says now publicly that he wants investigators to take a closer look at Rex Huerman's wife, saying that new evidence may contradict claims that she was never around. And he's talking specifically during the murder of Maureen Brainerd Barnes. Um, So far, she's not been uh, accused of anything, but he had a symposium at St. John's University this past week and um, says that she keeps pointing to some hotel room in Atlantic City, but he has dug deeper and basically found out that it's not a hotel, it's a timeshare, and the, the dates don't necessarily match up. And with a timeshare, no one's really watching your comings and goings. My question to you, do investigators need to go back and take a very hard look at this Asa Ellerip, the wife of Rex Shurman? Um, she has, you know, there's been some uh, DNA found and she's, I guess, admitted to being at some of these swingers parties. Does a closer look need to be taken at her, Scott Duffy? Yeah, I'm I'm not so sure a closer look as opposed to, you know, where are they in their investigation? I've heard this for some time. I think it came out early on. So I'm sure law law enforcement, I believe, especially here, it just seems like they've put this task force together. They've done a really good job to to get to where they're at today. But, you know, the, um, what people say and conjecture and what evidence points where are two different things. And so if, um, if they've interviewed everybody that they need to, including, uh, the wife and so forth, then, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're always open to it. But if, if the, if the evidence is not crying out, you know, arrest me, arrest me, then I, it it sounds like they're they're taking cautious steps and following that evidence, but but you can't just um, lock her up because it there there's some indication. Uh, by the way, for the Mitch album episode, I know this is asking a lot on Sunday at five o'clock, but I'd like to have um, three million people in the chat just to show Mitch album that we are uh, serious here at SDS Nation. If you guys can, uh, and by the way, Carm is really going to be hosting that, so. Um, if you guys can uh, show your STS pride that day and just show Mitch album that we're not a two bit little podcast, uh, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Phil Waters, um, something here is also quite disturbing, and I think you'll find it disturbing. So at this symposium, which is a little odd, that John Ray, this victim's attorney, had, he also uh, released some kind of new sworn affidavit signed by a woman because he's dealing with people that were in the scene back in the 90s and 2000s. So one woman only identified by the pseudonym Alice Poe as an Edgar Allan Poe, but this is Alice Poe. She alleges in an affidavit provided to this attorney, John Ray, that she met Rex Heuerman in 1993. But what's weird about this, uh, Phil Waters, at that party was one-time Suffolk County police commissioner, this very controversial guy named James Burke. He was at that party. It was at a budget inn along Montauk Highway. Uh, This is a signed affidavit. This guy, James Burke, at the time, who went on to become commissioner, was a young police officer who had recently transferred from the NYP to Long Island. 
Uh, Burke, as I said, would go on to become chief of Suffolk County Police. He's been criticized for cultivating a culture of rampant corruption, um, and he concealed his own nefarious proclivities, which allegedly included patronizing sex workers and consuming hard drugs. Not long ago, he was arrested for soliciting male prostitution. Do they need to take a closer look at this James Burke character? This is a, he's a strange guy uh, doing strange things, but a one-time top law enforcement official. How do you, uh, how do you negotiate that? What do you have to do with this guy? Well, they need to investigate him and he's been investigated. I mean, you know, but not in the realm of, of the larger investigation with this evildoer. So, um, yeah. And, and I, and I, gosh, I gotta believe they are looking at that, the circumstances when he was there as a, uh, as a young officer, when he was there as the commissioner, when he, whatever job he had in that area at the same time that all these murders were occurring, um, I'm sure there, and, and given his recreational goings-ons, um, which has just been further confirmed with this most recent arrest. So this guy, yeah, he's, there's something wrong with this guy. And it's just a matter of, is there, if, if what is wrong with him, is there in any way, shape, or form, is it attached to the investigation with the uh, with the serial killings in uh, in Long Island. So, uh, yeah, I, I would think they are looking at him pretty hard. Yeah, it is. Uh, here we go from someone on Long Island, Nancy Lynn, 27. I live on Long Island. Burke is the reason no one was allowed to investigate Gilgo or the Medford killings. Um, he seems like a, um, let's put it this way, an unstable human being. Um, to say the least. Ned Smith says Rex is the ultimate and quintessential tallywhacker coming full circle here. Uh, someone else is saying, I don't know what this even means. Look into Hewerman's cousin. I'm sure they're looking into family members. I've never heard about the cousin until now. But moving along here, uh, Scott Duffy, this comes from the, I feel like every week now we've got a Commonwealth of Pennsylvania story. And this one is a disturbing one. And I am pretty sure you will have heard of this. Police have charged a Pennsylvania man with murder after he allegedly posted a video rant to YouTube. You're on YouTube right now. Uh, showing a decapitated head of his own father. Uh, he was found beheaded in their home. Justin Moan, or Mon, I don't know how to pronounce M-O-H-N. He was taken into custody by Middletown, 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 is very hard because it's Middletown followed by Township. Middletown Township Police Department and charged with first-degree murder, abuse of a corpse, and possession of an instrument of crime, according to the court docket reviewed by uh, People Magazine. Now, this is Bucks County. Uh, Scott Duffy, how far is Bucks County from you? Does this stun, surprise, or shock you that this guy on YouTube was holding a bag with his father's head in it, Scott Duffy. Mm, you're, you're getting close. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's so <laughs> I'll answer. 
Bucks County neighbors to my county, Montgomery County. By the um, way, Scott, I got to interrupt for one second. You know, I hate to do this. Did you ever watch the TV show Banshee? Has anyone seen yeah. Banshee? Takes place in Banshee, Pennsylvania. It's got to be one of the craziest stories that I've ever. Hold on one sec. We're getting an update on a new family member. <laughs> got scared so she went outside okay um poke your head in here and tell sts that's vita hey vita uh, how are you at the, at the end of the show should we share uh, a new family member yeah okay so come back in um i have no idea come back in 20 minutes okay. love you you look good Thank you. you look like what's her name from uh what's her name the, the girl from uh friday from what's that show I don't know. Anyway, Adam's family. She, she looks like my looks daughter. Like looks like her mom. Wednesday. Is that her name? Wednesday? Wednesday. <laughs> she looks like Ileana. You don't have to go outside the family. Yeah. She's, she's beautiful, just like her mama is. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Look at this. Oh, the real star of the family. This is true. Um, oh, everyone's telling me I said Friday. It's Wednesday. <laughs> uh, now the other one's coming. All right. Come back in 20 minutes. I told her I'm on a oh, she wants to say hi. Dick. Glad I have shy kids. Middle of a show. Middle of a show. Come on. Come say hello. That's hi. easy. Okay. Hi. Is he is he cute? It's so cute. Fred? Oh yeah, Fred's really cute. Okay, we'll bring him 20 minutes. Give me some time. Back off. That respect your father. All right. Um Scott, I don't even know where you were. I'm sorry. But basically, what stuns me so much about this, this guy did this on YouTube. What's going on? 2024, you can decapitate your father yeah. and then hold his head up on YouTube. Why is this happening? And why is yeah. there not something in place on YouTube that prevents? I get notices because of the silliest things, but someone can hold up a head on YouTube. What's going on? Scott? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see it. It it, it was. It, it, it reminded me of... Um, some of the ISIS early on videos that were making it through before they got um, taken down. But the it's so it's a neighboring county. The the actual town is probably less less than a half hour from me. So I've, I've gone through uh, neighboring Levittown, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Um, so that's the location. And wow, the um, having read up on this one. Uh, the sadness, the sadness is too, it doesn't, it's, it's, it does not seem like it's a surprise. The, um, there seems to be some evidence of foretelling, not, not that everybody does what they foretell to, but, but with, uh, with some other things, I think they will uncover. It does seem like there is, uh, whether diagnosed or not, it just seems like there's some, some severe, mental health things happening very much so here. And, um, and so a lot of, a lot of things going on inside of his head. And um, I know at, at least from what is inside his head and what he's put out there that he did it as a result um, uh, to bash the federal government and, and ordered like-minded people to go out and behead or to to cause injury to to of course my my former director and some other 
notable um, federal officials, right? So there's there's a lot going on there, and it's uh, just as sad that that his father um, end up suffering the ultimate. It's by the way, Stace makes a good point. The algorithms did not catch that one. You, know, you might want to get on that. Uh, I know Zuckerberg doesn't own YouTube, but it's the only name I know. So Zuckerberg and Elon, you better get on that. Um, Phil Waters, you've told me many times, you know, this sounds like this guy's deranged beyond a, you know, a, a comprehensible level of derangement, but who knows what triggered him um, but by all accounts, he was, you know, there, this was a very tight knit family with siblings. They spent, you know, time together, uh, a lot of time together. According to the crim- criminal complaint, this man identified as Michael Mon or Moan had been, uh, this is the father now, had been decapitated. A machete was observed in the bathtub, as well as a large kif- kitchen knife. They also found rubber gloves with what appeared to be blood on them. It was determined that the victim's adult son had left the home and taken his father's vehicle. The police added, with the help of multiple other agencies, Justin was located and taken into custody in Fort Indian Town Gap, <coughs> wherever that is. Uh, but it was too late. It was a 14-minute video that he was able to post on YouTube um, saying that his own father, and this is a quote, he is now in hell for eternity. Phil Waters. Uh, disturbing beyond disturbing on many levels. Is this just, in your opinion, the case of someone with a um, severely damaged brain, um, a mentally ill brain uh, beyond any uh, way for someone without a brain like that to fully understand what was going on? Well, I don't know. use the term damaged. I mean, he's obviously got, uh, and I go back to what I've always said, uh, these types of incidents, to whatever degree they're carried out, they're a problem with the heart and the head. And this guy uh, was, I think he was in the process of suing the federal government, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he had some real issues he with some, the... He had some interaction with the feds that he thought was uncalled for or was punishing him or oppressing him, whatever. And who knows what was going on beforehand, but something triggered that. And I believe he either lost the lawsuit or they threw it out or something, but all the things he was trying to accomplish were being waylaid. And to the degree that his parents were involved, I mean, who knows? Had a discussion with his father, and his father read him the riot act and said, you need to knock it off, and he didn't like that answer. And in a moment there, that that set him off. And he wasn't going to listen to it, because now I'm sure he's thinking that his father is an agent of the government and I'm just speculating here, but yeah. something obviously set him off that caused him to do what he did. And, uh, so I'm not, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I think we've talked about this several cases, two or three cases that I've had where this type of thing occurred. Um, 
it's just a nef- it's just a ne- another definition of a person consumed with evil and thinks they've got to void themselves of it by carrying out an act like this that is uh, shocking to the conscience to to a, a normal person. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they uh, his defense attorneys it'll be interesting to see what they offer as a defense in this thing i would not be terribly surprised if they offer up an insanity defense which is very a very high bar at least in texas it is and uh so i think my sense is with this guy uh just looking at him uh and committing this kind of an act, uh, you know, the, the basis for insanity in Texas is you have to know that what you did was wrong. You have to have that understanding. I mean, if, if you, you can't get a, it, uh, a defense, um, insanity defense on this, um, I can't imagine where you could get one. Um, Phil Waters. Well, know, he may be crazy. He may be crazy, but that doesn't make him insane. Mm. Uh, Phil, I think someone's taking a little cheap joke shot at you here saying, could it be in the marijuana, Phil? Could what be in the marijuana? I guess the reason. I have to clarify that question. I think that that he flipped out. What does that mean? I don't even even know what that means. (laughs) Could it be in the marijuana? Sure. Okay, there you go. Yeah, sure. Phil Waters, my question to you being that you have, you know, Say what you want about Phil Waters, but until you've walked in this guy's shoes and seen the things that this guy has done and done and seen and other network news correspondents can think their hosts can think that they know. But Phil Waters has been there and done it. So everyone come and yell at me. But Phil has been there many, many times over a many, many, many year career with more success than pretty much any other detective in this country. So before you come yelling at me about Phil Waters, you better look at his body of work. Uh, thank you, Miss Brazy. Ten dollars super sticker. Uh, Phil, where I was going before I <laughs> lost my cool for a minute is the following: uh, You sadly been in scenes like this. They thought this was sort of a joke because they they were seeing it, you know, on YouTube, and he was literally holding a bag, and people were like, "There's no way this." But then first responders and homicide detectives like yourself show up there, and they found this unbelievably gruesome scene. What is going to be the long term impact for? the homicide detectives and those who saw this head rolling around on the ground. You talking to me again? Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, well, look, I don't know what the, I don't know what the experience level is, uh, in, in that town. I don't know what their homicide rate is. I don't know what those guys have seen or not seen, but, I, I can tell you that, uh, you know, the the three decapitations that I'm <laughs> that I was involved in, I can still see them. I mean, I don't lay awake at night, but I, I, I mean, I can still visualize those things, and uh, it's um, it's more of a, I guess, it's more of an academic reoccurrence than it is 
something that I, I guess I, I just I got to the point where unless it was a, a a baby or a child or a um an innocent I mean a truly innocent victim of whatever sex they may have been you know male or female um, I those would stick to me uh, in in the sense that I can I can think back of those things and just remember and recall the uh, the feelings of of great sadness seeing something like this and seeing a a um, a young child or a baby or someone whose potential has been snuffed out and uh, so yeah that's that's those things affect any homicide cop but um, you know Lord puts you where he wants you and and he gives homicide cops the ability to be able to deal with these things and um, and hopefully again bring about a measure of justice for these families and friends that are affected by it in a, in a sense of peace. So, um, yeah, these are, this is going to be a case. Those guys, they will not forget. Certainly. Hmm. Um, space coast. Uh, I think we have a new, uh, offering from I am not T pain. I would love to see that. Thank you. Uh, so final story of the day. <clears throat> this one is a uh, spoiler alert. So if you have not seen the show American Nightmare on Netflix, um, oh, we can't post it. I didn't really look at it. Is it um, <laughs> is it graphic, Space Coast? Can't be more graphic than what took place in Bucks County. Yeah. All right, just we, we need we need I need ten minutes, please. Are we doing it now? Yeah. Oh, then let's do it now. Um. So we have a new puppy, but okay. Oh, we have a new puppy. You didn't you didn't build it up. See, all right, let's bring it in. Uh, let's bring in the family here. We have one more story, but uh, it's never too early. Oh boy, oh boy, oh my gosh, oh boy. Is he that some sort of doodle? This is a pug. Um, that's now, that's a pug, really? but he's, oh boy, he's very oh, cute. Oh, a black pug. You know, he's that chocolate. is. He's chocolate. It's super he's rare. Chocolate. Okay. Okay. Chocolate with, uh, with vanilla. Um, now, let me tell everyone the full name. This We're breaking this here. Carm does not know about this. When Carm oh, finds boy. out, she's going to lose her crap. But She's going to flip. I know people are going to think I'm strange and it's my COVID, but everyone knows I lost my beloved Mabel Rose. I knew her before my wife, my kids. Um, as a matter of fact, Mabel Rose came out of my belly uh, 17 years ago. 17 years ago, Mabel Rose came out of my belly. And so this dog here, because we have Ethel. Ethel and Fred. His name is Fred. He wants to be with you. Fred and Ethel. Um However, his I full love, name. I love Lucy. I love Lucy. I love Lucy. Now, because I truly believe that this dog embodies the spirit of Mabel Rose, his full name is Fred Frederick. Frederick Milton Roosevelt Brown. Now, Milton was my grandfather. 
and it's the M for Mabel, and Roosevelt is the R for Rose. So his name is Frederick Milton Roosevelt Brown. And he looks absolutely... Um, you can literally hold him in one hand. <laughs> it looks a little miserable to be here. Um, when Carm finds this out, we will videotape it and we will post it on Instagram at Surviving the Survivor. She's going to curse me out. And stay tuned. And stay tuned. And uh, Ned Smith got it right. Frederick Milton <laughs> Roosevelt Brown Waldman. And within this body right here, uh, Vita's letting me know that he has a tallywhacker. She just whispered he has a tallywhacker, but she used a different word. Um, and let me just say one Judah thing. It is my absolute conviction that Mabel Rose lives, state. her spirit lives within the body of Mil of Frederick Milton Roosevelt Brown. Pugs are, pugs are good. They're good little dogs. I bought my mom a pug. Oh my God, he's so freaking cute. Okay, everyone get lost now. Okay. I How bought my go? mom. I, I bought my mom a pug on her birthday one year. It was a blonde. It was a blonde pug. And uh, her name was Muffin. Muffin. So they're, they are cute dogs. They're good dogs. Wow. Um, everyone get lost now. I'm in the middle of a show. Uh, train your dog, pick up its poop, and clean up after it. I was out in the yard cleaning up Ethel's earlier. Um. It's fine. Perfect. Uh, they're leaving the door open now. So final story here, everyone. It's always something on Surviving the Survivor. Um, again, Frederick Milton Roosevelt Brown. Um, what does this say? I sent Joel my puggy Louie fawn blonde is fawn. Yes. Um, Final story, this might have some uh, spoiler alerts here, but uh, Denise Huskins and Aaron Quinn, they're the two people from this Netflix show called American Nightmare. The premise of this show, Scott Duffy, this is a true documentary, and I'd heard this story. I'm about oh. to, these are spoiler alerts here, so turn close your ears if you don't want to hear it. This is a couple who claimed that they were, Scott Duffy, that they were uh, home invaded in the middle of the night at gunpoint uh, with tasers and all kinds of weird things by a group of men and then were the girlfriend or the fiance was taken hostage for a ransom and she goes missing and all eyes turn on the fiance. The story is a very outrageous one. They come in, they've got military style scopes on their rifles, they're being tased, they're being drugged, they're being poisoned. It sounded very far-fetched, and what this police department in Northern California did was say to the guy, you did this. Tell us where the body is, and it just amplifies and gets worse and worse over time, and what you eventually come to find out, I'm just going to blow the whole story right here, but what you eventually come to find out is they were both the targets of a real crime. Um, and it turned out the guy who was committing this crime was a Harvard educated lawyer who was living at his mother's little cabin in Lake Tahoe. But all the police interviews are you did this, you committed this crime, all the public sentiment, all the media outlets, everyone said this was crazy. And then one day she shows up, she's dropped off the, the, 
the the woman who was taken um, hostage, um, held at ransom, she's dropped off at her parents' house. And they say, well, now she set everyone up. She was guilty. So they both had the finger pointed at them by police and the media and were believed to be the culprits in this crime. And then you find out it was an actual criminal. I think the moral of the story here, uh, Scott Duffy, is I would have done that because I already convicted the chief's home renter guy. But do you have to go into investigations with a truly open mind? Um, By the way, they're trying to, as a result of this documentary, there was no um, civil suit. I don't think ever brought nothing ever came of it. The, the, The lead detective was basically just untouched, but they're trying to get him fired from his job. Now, it really shows you how important um, and a real good investigation is, but also the importance of a criminal defense attorney. Do you have any thoughts on this, Scott Duffy, without having seen it? I did see it. It was it was amazing. Oh. Well, there you go. Yeah. Is this the, uh, is this the show that's on Netflix? Yeah, you better watch it, Phil Waters. Yeah, I've got it. <laughs> Excuse me. I have it on my list to watch. I've not watched it yet, but yes. Three parts you here. Your your wife will explain everything <laughs> to you. It's the um, yeah. It's it's uh, and and you left out. There's two FBI agents too that yeah. are part of that story. And um, so I've watched it. I've watched it from the interviewer point of view to see how the interviews are done. I think just as we saw the um, uh, the New Canaan, Connecticut, where there were like a hundred detectives or whatever in that room. Going after uh, um, the they won two and a half million dollars. I stand corrected. There was a civil set- settlement, and the yeah. chief was replaced. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that the the lead detective and the the guy who was doing all the the PIO, the public information work, uh, he was taking the the lead from the chief. But they were bashing these people left and right. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah. So I'll t- on two sides, from from what I saw, and I remember everything is edited. So we saw, we saw, um, for, for the sake of, of the show, we saw the worst, I believe, of if, in fact, law enforcement did not believe and did not follow the evidence and thereby had what they, you know, was in their head um, and, and ignored the possibility that such an outlandish story could actually be true. Um, that's one thing, right? Then, and that's, that's, uh, that's an example of, wow, you know, you, you, you are shame, you're victim shaming, right? Right. In every imaginable video in that regard, it's, it's pretty, from the interview point of view, it's pretty sad, but I don't know if there are other parts of the video that were not part of it. So I, I would love to see the whole video from law enforcement side to see if in fact, cause it's one thing to play the bad guy, you know, to say, hey, this is not, you know, I don't believe you, but um, uh, to go hard at them. But then all of a sudden to say, OK, now, you know, I tried and I apologize for being hard with you. But um, now I see your point of view. So um, I, I just don't know if, if if the videos, if law enforcement videos do not show any any sense of a change. To where it, it it really is just a um, uh, a trick or a dynamic, so be it. It's not something I would do. I can see. I I, w- I would bet to say, 
Phil, after he watches it, would would easily find that as well. But the, um, you know, it, it is an outlander story, and and if law enforcement quickly, depending on if they're were they following the evidence or not, from what at least from what I see in the show, that everything is coming down. In other words, the chief is running the investigation, everybody is kind of just, uh, you know, he either has an idea, concoction, what took place or didn't took place. And, um, and so thereby look what happens when, when you don't weigh all the evidence or, um, hit pause, hit pause. It's, it's nothing. There's never, never a bad thing to hit a pause and say, wow, take, take me down a little bit more so I can, uh, but, but from the show part, if the video is is true to that, um, it 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 was disturbing and and to see victims go through that. Yeah, and the fiance uh, Ned Smith reminded me the fiance was given a polygraph, which he, um, you know, accepted voluntarily accepted, but uh, and he passed it. But the uh, polygrapher said that he failed it badly. They they lied <laughs> to him. Um, Kimber Miller says, Phil, can you please give your view of the detective? Uh, Phil, I would love for you to watch this when you get a chance. It's actually really well done, so it's not like going to be torture for you. Um, and I think that your wife will uh, greatly enjoy this. But um, it is it, it scared me watching this, Phil, because um, it was a very outlandish scenario, one that me, you, and Scott, I'm sure, sitting around the water cooler say, oh, that's way too crazy. But what happened was the investigators Well, I'll tell you that, what, rather, rather than you tell me anything, okay, I would, I would prefer to watch it with an open mind so that I don't have any... Okay, you know, beautiful. And then we'll come any, back to any, it next uh, Preconceived conclusions. Perfect. That's it. Uh, Phil just decided, and we will come back and we'll get Phil's take on... Uh, the detective and what happened uh, and how it all went down uh, next week. We just got Scott Duffy's take. Um, Scott Duffy, uh, I always feel strange, a little peculiar, a little odd asking this, but how is the weather in the Commonwealth? You look, uh, you're in your fleece with a long sleeve shirt and I'm staring at um, palm trees. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a rainy, another rainy day. But mm. the um, it's uh, it's decent. It's above freezing. Scott, do you ever ask yourself why do I live in a place where uh, the skies are gray and it rains every other day of my existence? Have you ever asked yourself that question? And I know it's not easy to say. Yeah, you know, let's just. It's pick not up typical. And, it's not typical. Mm. I do enjoy the Four Seasons quite a bit. Um, mm. I'm getting not to the an hotel, age not, like the the hotel. But not the hotel, the actual four seasons, the actual four seasons. Yeah. Mm. Love it. Yeah. You don't get bored of one. You don't get locked into one. I'm, I'm growing more accustomed to my uh, summer and fall, but the, the four seasons still, it's still nice. It's mm. not the waters. Any um any parting thoughts today on this Friday? Uh, the Waldmans have the family. Our family has grown yet again. Um, we now have Frederick Milton Roosevelt Brown Waldman. By the way, Phil, 
I've never had a male dog in my entire life, ever. Not once, not a single one. My wife's only had male dogs, so I thought it would be good. But um, Vita Leah, my stunningly beautiful, but more importantly, smart, and more importantly, sweet daughter. Phil, I tell my daughter, Phil Waters, you treat everyone in life the way you would like to be treated. Do you have anything that you would add to that, Phil? Sure. It's, uh, I mean, that's, that's right out of the Bible, mm. right? There you go. We're to love one another as we love ourselves. We're to love mm. our enemies. Yeah. Uh, that's the wonderful thing about, uh, about Christ. That's what he talks about is love. And uh, he loves everyone. He loves yeah. Vita. He loves you. He loves your family. And, um, yeah, it's an awesome, uh, it's an awesome experience to not only be happy in life through that relationship with him, but to understand what joy is about. And, uh, and I can tell you, it comes in little and little forms. I was telling my wife this morning as I was putting on my clothes and getting ready to come over here to the office. And about, I don't know, a, a, I'd say a month, maybe a couple of months ago, I lost my handcuffs. <clears throat> and these are handcuffs that I've had, my first set of handcuffs. I've had wow. these things for 45 years. Wow. And um, How'd you lose them? Well, I went into the uh, men's room and had to have a moment on the throne. So I have to take all my crap off to, you know, <laughs> so I did that. <clears throat> well, I was in a hurry because I was heading to the, uh, to the hospital to do my pre-surgery check-in. And so I got in the car and in order just to not have to fool with it, I took my, my weapon off and my magazine and my handcuffs and I put them in the back seat on the floorboard. So I ran, I, you know, I sped to the hospital and all that good stuff and went inside and did the deal. When I came out, my pistol and my magazine was sitting there and the handcuffs were gone. I have a question for you. So, hang on, Vita. Hang on. So I looked, I looked under the, I looked, kind of looked under the seat and, and I didn't find them. And I thought, well, I must have left them hanging on the hook in the bathroom. So I run back to the office and I run in there. Of course, they're, they're gone. So then I'm running around to the, to the, to the gals that work out here in the work lodge where I'm officed. And has anybody turned in? No, they haven't. No, they haven't. And so the next thought I had was, well, the cleaning crew must have. So I've got this all out alert for these handcuffs. And of course, I'm thinking that the, that the cleaning crew which were the only ones on video that were seen coming in and out of the hot of that, of, out of the, uh, the bathroom. Then one of them took it, took my handcuffs and mm. didn't turn them in. So, um, I went and talked to their supervisors and blah, blah, blah. Nobody has seen my handcuffs. Da, 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 da. So this goes on now for a month and a half. I'm thinking somebody on this close on this cleaning crew has got my handcuffs. Did you have them? Well, here's what happens. <laughs> I'm, I, I sped somewhere one day and I pulled in, put the brakes on, 
taken off, blah, blah, blah. And I get home and I open up the back door to get my satchel out. And there are my handcuffs laying on the floorboard in the back seat. Mm. So they had apparently gone way up under the seat further than what I checked. And now here they are. So now I feel like a complete idiot mm. for thinking that someone on the cleaning crew had taken my handcuffs. So I, I wrong, that. that was wrong of me. That was wrong. Always so, easy to, it's always easy to blame someone else, Phil. So I went back to the supervisors of the cleaning crew and asked for their forgiveness for having accused one of their people for stealing my handcuffs. You hear that? Never too and late. Again, I went to the girls that were working up in the front who I'd gone to initially, and I told them that story hmm. and said I was wrong. And so um, I got the handcuffs back. So, so the moral of this story is I told my wife this morning when I picked these handcuffs up and I put them in my belt, I have this sense of joy that I have this thing that was so important to me back. And that's the lesson. So, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And he let me suffer and condemn for a month and a half. And then finally, when he revealed what the truth was, it caused me to have to humble myself and go ask those folks for forgiveness. Hmm. So, I, have two things. I, I tell that story to say this. All things great and small, the Lord will work in your life if you've accepted the gift of salvation. All things great and small to bring you moments of joy throughout your life. So that's what there is for everybody out there. And for Vita, for you, for your family, for Scott, that they will come to that point in their lives. I have a question and and, 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 and and enjoy the joy that that brings. Go ahead, Vita. I okay. know you're stomping at the My bit. My comment is that was a really long story. <laughs> yes, it was. But all my stories are long. I have a comment. Hold on. What's the question? Hold on. Hold on. Because I'm a detailed guy. My question is. What? What color? Okay, go ahead. What color are your Ferraris? (laughs) What color are my Ferraris? Boy, that was a big leap, right? Uh, One of them is red. One of them is Corsa red. And one of them is Giallo, which is three? yellow. Yellow. No, I have two. In his in his mind, he has three different colors, though. Um, I saw. But I'm Andy's, looking at a 456. There you go. Ahead. By the way, I saw a comment, Vito Leah, that made me think of you. We have a uh, STS Nationer. Her name her name is Andy School, and she was she lives in Detroit, and she was saying that she crochets. Do you know what that is? You'd be excellent at that. She makes clothing, and you know who she gives it to? The homeless, and that is what we should be doing. We should be doing things. Instead of talking about Ferraris, let's do things for other people. Uh, 
Speed Aliyah. And let me show, speaking of doing things for other people. That's what I'm doing for my Space Mexico. Space Coast didn't want to bring that up, but um, this is it. It's another one. As you can see, it is uh, a man stretched out. His buttocks were showing in the original. <laughs> Why? Um, Why? For what? Uh, and it says, Phil, please help me. My tallywhacker is frozen. And Phil is pointing. And it says, you got yourself into this position. Now get your tallywhacker out of there. And I will post this. Uh, the COE is yelling at me. Scott Duffy, um, my final question to you. Have you ever gone to the watering hole on a Friday night with Chi-Chi the Chinchilla attached to your shoulder? Have you ever? Would you ever take that risk, that gamble? No, but that does sound like a, a challenge. I'd, I'd be afraid I'd lose him. I don't think he would stick around. I think he would realize this is what I've been missing my whole life. This ball mm. fantastic. <laughs> and, and you think he would race to like a pipe or something and just disappear on you? He would find, he would find a corner. He would, he'd be gone. Let, let me ask you another question. I have a follow up here for all the love that you give Chi Chi. And for all the time you spend cuddling together, do you still think that his instinct as a chinchilla is to hide out in uh, quiet little spaces, despite his love for you? Absolutely. Be you free. Do, do it's, it's with my dog. Pearl Pearl's gotten away from us five times now. And I don't think she would return. She's why? She Where did Pearl go? What's going on in the what's going on she in the just loves running. She just flees. She's do you have an air down. tag on her, Scott? Do you have an air tag on her? Uh I have a chip. A chip. You need to get her an air tag. And it, look, where'd it go? They just stole mm -hmm. it. Yes. I get an air tag for 21 bucks. I put mm -hmm. it on the collar and it goes in a cover like this. And it's literally on your iPhone. Okay. This is a new one for Fred Brown, but this is the size of his head right now. So it's not going to fit. Uh, so I say send, every me one, send me one of those with the logo in the middle with your yeah. STS. Oh, yeah, I'll do it. I will 100% do. I don't know if I can do a logo, though, but um, I'll put Pearl's name on there. Um, it'll say FBI agent Pearl, Duff Pearl Duffy. Um, I don't even want to go here, Scott Duffy, but let's just say I'm not going to go there. How devastated would you be if Pearl took off tonight? You didn't know where she was in this cold, rainy weather. How upset would you okay. be? Uh, she would survive because she does like this weather. But yeah. um, just not knowing where she is, would that torture you? It'd be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> um. I say it every week. I'll say it again. I think uh, I don't say this, but I think the worst of the COVID is behind me. Um, I almost wept last week. Um, COVID makes you emotional. It was uh, tearing on and off. Uh, I don't even know why, but love these two gentlemen, uh, Bill and Scott, ever inspirational. So what is that red hat behind you over your left shoulder? Is that a hat? Ferrari. So, oh, that's a Ferrari hat. Okay, I can see. Okay, there it is. There it is. Um, that's the one I wore, I think. Was it last week? Yeah, I wore that? yeah it was yeah. last week. It was last week. Um, love both of you guys. You guys have a great weekend. Um, Phil, any final thought? I feel like I didn't give you your final, final thought. Oh, no, I think I, I just, I, I think I've expressed those. And 
And uh, I just uh, hope and pray for everybody a great weekend. And uh, that you're uh, you're going to get the you're on the downhill side of your Wuhan experience. Hmm. Thank, thank God, it's not fun. <laughs> uh, everyone have a great weekend. Phil, have a great Bible study. Uh, hamburger, Scott, have a drink at the watering hole for me, and uh, we will do this again next week. Until next time, love you, America, the Republic of Ireland, Canada, Australia, Tasmania, Gambia. Where did I get an email? I got an email from Uganda. I love you, Uganda. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, Get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothies, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.